Okay, today we'll uh, continue with another rash, another uh, childhood rash. Very exciting. Um, so uh, a patient comes, an infant comes, and mom brings him in because he has uh, a rash. Um, she tells you that uh, maybe a week ago he had a mild fever, um, maybe a little congestion. It seemed to resolve. He was totally fine and then woke up a few days ago with a rash that started on the face, was really very prominent to the to the cheek area and then uh, spread to the rest of the body and kind of a very distinctive rash. When you ask her if, she, if he has other symptoms right now besides the rash, the answer is no. Looks like he's a little irritated by the rash but not scratching horribly, um, but otherwise no fever, uh, no cold symptoms right now, and uh, feeding fine. So uh, when you look at the kid, um, a couple pictures we have. This one, I'll pass them around. Uh, black and white didn't really come out as well as it should, but you can kind of see the appearance of the rash on the face as well as the body here. If you want to take this one that direction. Um, when you look at the kid's arms and extremities, it, the rash looks a little bit different. If you take a peek at it, it uh, has this very kind of distinctive uh, net-like appearance right there. Any ideas for what we're dealing with? It's kind of a classic story and a classic rash. Chicken pox? No, not quite. Not strep, but yeah. So not measles, but you guys are hitting on uh, a lot of the rashes uh, of early childhood, the viral exanthems that are actually numbered. This one actually goes by its number, fifth disease. So um, erythema infectiosum, one of the, one of the childhood uh, viral exanthems, uh, the earlier ones that they actually ended up numbering around the turn of the century uh, were measles, um, chicken pox, um, uh, uh, I think it was rubiola as well. But um, fifth disease, uh, otherwise known as erythema infectiosum, is um, a really pretty benign self-limited rash that uh, is kind of interesting because it's a, it's a, it's a cool rash to look at. Um, the thing about it, it's caused by parvovirus B19, um, which is not the same parvovirus that uh, animals or dogs get that people worry about. But um, um, it's pretty contagious. And the thing about it is most of the time you don't know you've been exposed because what happens is there's this prodrome that only about 25% of people who get it even have and they just feel a little yucky essentially maybe a low-grade fever maybe mild congestion but nothing else not really cough vomiting anything like that that goes completely away and then about 10 to 14 days later the rash starts in about 75 percent of people so not even everybody shows signs of the infection and the rash has three distinct stages to it um, uh, the first is the slap cheek appearance i didn't use those words to give it away for you guys but uh, uh, they get this really erythematous patches on their cheeks that spares their nose spares their periorbital area, spares their mouth. Looks like somebody slapped you right on the cheeks and it's a little puffy, a little swollen. And then uh, that lasts for about one to four days, starts to fade. And as that starts to fade, then you get a rash that starts on the uh, extremities and moves to the trunk, uh, which is the second phase of the rash, which is um, uh, uh, called a reticular rash. So it's, it's flat, but it looks like a net, like a big lacy pattern. And you'll see those weird patterns that you see on the arms there. And that lasts 
lasts for about one to two weeks. And then the third phase is the recurrence phase where the rash is pretty much faded, but sometimes with temperature swings, the kid gets hot or the temperature changes, the rash will kind of come back and fade, come, come, come and go. And that can last for weeks or months. Uh, during the rash phase, the kids aren't sick otherwise. They don't have fever. The only thing that bugs them is they have a little bit of, a, a little bit of itching that you just treat supportively, um, and then it fades away. Um, by the time you have the rash, you're probably not even infectious anymore. When they've done studies, I think uh, like 75% of us have evidence of the virus in our body. So we've been, we've been uh, exposed. Not, and most people don't remember having the disease. Um, it's actually contagious enough through respiratory um, transmission, as well as bloodborne transmission. You can get it in blood products um, that uh, uh, if, when they've done studies, if somebody in the household gets it, about 50% of the other people in the household get it. And they've even looked at it, interestingly enough, in classrooms where if one kid's got it, 25% of the other kids will get it as well. But the problem is, is they got it before anybody showed any signs. By the time you have the rash, it's too late. So, and it's not a big deal. It's almost always benign, but it is a big deal in two, in two cases. And that would be one of the side effects of that parvovirus B19 is it does cross the blood brain barrier or the blood barrier. And in healthy people, it will decrease your red blood cell production for a couple of days. It'll just stop it. It'll turn it off for a couple of days. And if you remember, we, we, we use and we turn over our red blood cells about 1% per day. So for a totally normal, healthy person to have three or four days or a week of not producing red blood cells, you might have a small dip in your hematocrit, but nobody would ever notice. You would never notice. But if you were somebody who had thalassemia, sickle cell, leukemia, HIV, and you're turning over like 10 to 15% uh, uh, of your red blood cells a day, it can actually send you into something called aplastic crisis. You can actually become super anemic, super sick, and it can go to other cell lines, the white blood cell counts as well. Um, so that's that's one of the uh, one of the uh, more significant complications, and then the other one is in pregnancy. If you guys have ever heard about that, so um, the same thing is the virus is is in the blood and it can cross the uh, placental barrier. Um, it can cause fetal during a certain time in pregnancy, usually in the second trimester, it can cause fetal. Um, um, uh, anemia, which causes fetal heart failure, which is a, they think is a significant cause of fetal demise and miscarriage. And so when they do the numbers, they think anywhere from one to 9% of all miscarriages could be caused by parvovirus B19. There's not much you can do to prevent it because people were exposed. Um, but it's just, you know, important to follow the, the pregnant mother closely. And so, so yeah, fifth disease or an erythema infectio, some slap cheeks. Yeah.